Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. Um, today is going to be a Q&A day. I went on Instagram yesterday and I asked you guys to share questions that you had, and I'm going to go through a bunch of them. I would just like to preface by saying I have not actually looked at any of these before I answer them and look at them now. So I might say something crazy. Who knows? It's going to be a wild ride. Um, I'm recording this very early in the morning because it's a busy day. I have a lot going on. I have a kid who's a little under the weather. I'm going to my third Taylor Swift show tonight. I know um, I've been talking a lot about Taylor Swift on my Instagram and it's probably annoying some people and I would apologize, but I don't I don't really care. You could just skip over if you don't like it. And listen, if you haven't been to one of the shows, you're not allowed to have an opinion. If you've been to one and you hated it or wouldn't want to go again, that's the first I've heard, but that's your prerogative. Um, if you haven't, you just you don't have uh, you don't have a say because you don't know what that experience is like. I have always been a huge fan of hers, but more just of her music. I just really, the lyrics resonate with me. I think she's an amazing songwriter. Loved her, always have loved her music. I've been to two shows before, but like they were great. You know, they're good. They're fine. I haven't been to one since like 2013 or something. After I went that first night with Teddy, I was like, well, I'm going to have to go to all six shows. That's just the only option. Obviously, because I'm not a billionaire and I don't want to get divorced. Um, I didn't do that. But I am going to the last night tonight at SoFi, and this will be the first time I am getting like dressed up for it. Um, somebody, actually, I'm looking right now, somebody asked in the questions, what is the best friendship bracelet making kit for the Taylor Swift concert? See, that's somebody who's been to one of the shows. I don't know. I wish I knew that. I'm, I've morphed over the last week from casual fan of music to diehard psychopath fan. Um, so trust me, if I, uh, if I knew the best friendship kit making thing I would be getting it all right but this isn't about me and Taylor this is about you guys and sleep so let's get into the questions okay (laughs) the first question just says where do I begin honey we might need you to book a plan if you don't even know where to begin that's okay I'm here for you Cameron her name is I will uh I will be here go go get a plan and we will we will get we will deal with all the things that you don't know where to begin with um Katie said baby number two is coming focus on potty training or moving out of the crib for my current two-year-old. Uh, Katie, I'm going to make this very easy for you. That's an absolutely fucking not to moving your two-year-old out of the crib. So unless they are jumping out, and then you have to do it, we never want a two-year-old in a bed. They do not need to have that much autonomy. It's going to make your life so hard. Without getting into the weeds, because I want to try to answer as many questions as I can, you are just going to make your life hard and their life hard if you do that when they're two. I would wait until they're at least three and a half, if not four. Four is ideal. Wait If everyone waited until their child was four to put them in a bed, if, except for the ones who jump out, you would cut my business in half. I'm just I'm being honest. Don't make your life hard, especially if you're expecting a baby. For the potty training, so here's the other thing I will say. I've had a number of people come to me about the potty, especially now that I'm a potty training consultant, like... I'm pregnant, which this mom is, um, so I figure I should potty train now, you know, before the baby arrives in a few weeks. I don't want to have to do two diapers. And I will tell you that any mom who has been through the potty training process would tell you full stop, do not have that mindset. I know I get it. It's like, I don't want to change two sets of diapers. I want, you know, I want to kind of have one, you know, I think this mom is thinking like, okay, this kid will be potty trained in a bed. It's like I have a big kid. 
um, and then I just have one baby. But you can't you can't r- rush that stuff, right? Just because and I'm not saying this mom is, but I'm just let's all think about this philosophically. A two year old is still going to be a two year old, whether or not they are in a bed or a crib, whether or not they're in diapers or potty trained. And both of these things are going to make your life harder, not easier. It is not going to be easier for you to have them in a bed. It's going to be harder. It's not going to be easier for you to go through potty training now. It's going to make it harder. Now, the exception to this would be if baby number two is coming in like seven months, you're newly pregnant, and or the two-year-old is like close to three. We have an older kid who's like, maybe they're starting school and they need to be potty trained. Like there's definitely reasons why I would say for sure go go through this. And being potty trained at two is completely normal. So I'm not saying don't do it. But if you were doing it, not because you think your child is ready or because you need to for school, but because the baby is coming, I would not have that be a consideration as to why you're doing this. I also wouldn't be doing it if the baby's coming really soon because potty training is hard. I will say, obviously this is somewhat of a personal opinion, but some as someone who's an expert in both of them, potty training is a lot harder than sleep. Sleep is once we get this foundation in place, sure you have nap transitions and you have things and of course kids can get sick and things can happen, but like it's kind of smooth sailing if you know what you're doing. You might have small blips, potty training there's much more of a spectrum in terms of what kids do and how long it takes. And there often are regressions, there are changes, there are, there's all these, there's just all these other factors. Again, I'm trying not to get too much into the weeds so I can answer a lot of questions. But if the baby's coming very, very soon, you are going to make your life so much harder if you try to potty train now. Trust me, just please trust me, you would much rather be changing two sets of diapers than have a kid who's like, pooping on your couch while you're trying to feed a newborn. I'm just going to be honest with you. So that would be the way I'd think about it is like how soon is baby coming and how old is the two-year-old because two is obviously a spectrum. That could be 25 months and it could be, you know, they're turning three in a week. Okay. Good luck to you, Katie. Either way, whatever you do. Okay. Megan said, bedtime routine tips and sequencing with multiple kids. Um Good question. So I'm just going to go off the assumption. Well, there's two things I will say. I have, if you guys dig back into the archives of the snooze button, I have an episode that talks a lot about room sharing. Um, I think it's literally called room sharing. If if we, this is talking about kids who are sharing a room, because that'll give you more context on bedtime if you're doing that. I also have an entire episode. It was near the very beginning. You'd have to scroll for a while um, on bedtime routines, period. Like it's just an episode about bedtime routines. But high level, let's assume here that this is kids who are in different rooms, different ages, and we're trying to stagger bedtime, etc. So what I would always suggest, especially if you're doing it alone, let's assume mom or dad or whoever is doing, you know, and let's just for the sake of argument say it's two kids. You have two kids that you have to put to bed and you're the only person doing it. I would, and let's assume again here that bedtime can or should be somewhat similar, right? Like they both would be fine going to bed around 7 or 7.30 or 8, whatever the time you guys are doing. If that's the case, Pick the kid that is more difficult to be left alone to go down first. It doesn't matter the ages, right? And again, if the, it could matter the ages if the kids are older and one of them is the older one is like acutely aware of being the last one to go to bed, blah, blah, blah. That might be a factor to consider. But let's consider that's not like they're kind of none the wiser. It's fine. It could be the baby. It could be the toddler, right? So it could be that the baby is very fussy in the evenings and it would be better to... Um, you know, cluster feed a little bit while you hang out with the toddler and then put that baby down 
then go deal with the toddler because the toddler can sit and read a book or play with magnet tiles or whatever and the baby is super fussy and like we need to get them down first. It could be the opposite. It could be the baby can chill on the Bjorn bouncer, hang out for a little bit, and the toddler, you know, if you left this two-and-a-half-year-old, three-year-old alone, they would wreak havoc on the house and whatever, right? So be thinking about that. Like if you're going to have to kind of leave someone moderately unattended or like just not, you know, not being the center of attention, um, which one is going to be easier and put the other kid to bed first. The other thing I would say in general with bedtime, but especially when you have more than one kid and especially when you have to stagger them and especially when you're doing it alone, is the bedtime routine should be tight. And that means that it's always exactly the same thing. It's always at roughly the same time. And it's not long. For a baby, like a couple of minutes, like three minutes. And for a toddler older kid, no more than 15 And that is so important because you cut down on all of the negotiating, all of the issues, right? If it's always, we get two books, we get one song, we get whatever, that will make your life easier. And as a reminder, you guys, next week, we're doing a sip and sleep on bedtime battles, and it's going to be great. And I really structured this sip and sleep, both to help people who have, you know, multiple kind of sleep issues, but to speak also to a broader group where maybe you have a kid who's a great sleeper, bedtime just isn't where you want it to be. It's too long. There's a lot of negotiating, there's stalling, right? It's inconsistent across caregivers, whatever. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. Okay. Um, My nine-week-old sleeps well at night, but is a terrible napper. How can we improve naps? That's from Erica. And along the same lines, like right before, we have Rosie here. How to set up a good sleep foundation for a 10-week-old hates the bassinet at night. Too soon? Okay, so both of these nine and 10-week-olds, one is good at night, terrible napper, other hates his bassinet at night. So both of these, when you are at this range, and for Erica with the nine-week-old, you are within days of it. Once we are 10 weeks, you guys can move past the foundational stage of like, we're just trying to put good habits in place so it'll be easier when we do it. And you can go into this full process, right? Like this is when I start working with families on the baby sleep and schedule course. As a reminder, I know like the term sleep training, it's like, people have their own there's like well that's cry it out like which again cry it out isn't an official term it doesn't mean anything that's just something people say can be interpreted many ways same with gentle gentle doesn't mean anything that's an interpretation right all we're doing from from my perspective when i'm working with families is we're getting them on a schedule during the day and they're not eating anymore overnight because their tummies are big enough to take in the food they need during the day and sometimes that's a very gradual process depending on the child but we are moving away from feeding at night and we are getting them on a schedule during the day. So if you are at this age, you can do it now. Like that's what I would just say is you don't need to worry about like small little tweaks to like tie you over till they're four or five months. If you want to do that, you can, but you can just do it now. That's what the baby sleep and schedule course is, which I will link. I believe it is linked in my show notes, but if it isn't, I will. Um, Ashley said, what is your approach to introducing solids with your three kids and is there any impact on sleep um you know it's interesting i get asked that question a lot like what is the impact on sleep when you start solids and the truth is unless you're dealing with a, a kid and you would know this probably because your family would have a history of allergies or maybe you know that's something you're just like aware of being a, a bigger concern for you than the typical child there really isn't going to be much of an impact and i think a good analogy to this is you know, you'll like have a baby and they'll be like just sitting there on a little blanket and somebody's like, oh, you know, you better start baby proofing any day now. He'll be up running around or she'll be running away away from you into traffic. You should really get a gate, da, da, da. These things don't happen overnight, right? So your baby who's only having 
breast milk or formula isn't going to wake up and have a four-course steak dinner, right? The same way a baby who is sitting on a blanket supported by a pillow is not going to get up and run away. These things happen over time and you have time to adjust to them. And the same is true with food. So it's not like, like, yeah, I think you could anticipate something bad or not bad, but like, you know, having some sort of issue if you went from a baby who had never had solids to trying to give them like three meals a day. Yeah, but you're not going to do that. So what I did with all of my kids, um, you know, four to six months is really the range when pediatricians will suggest introducing solids. And a lot of it has to do with like, can your baby sit up unsupported and your personal choice and like when you want to do it. With all of my kids, I waited until six months because between that range, basically until their seven months, food is just getting a sense of different flavors, textures, like just the idea of like putting something solid in your mouth. So you're not trying to get them to like eat a lot. They, they still should be getting like essentially all of their nutrients from um, breast milk or formula. So you're doing it very gradually. One little pro tip, I did this for all of my kids. Is I actually took them to the pediatrician the day that I gave them peanut butter for the first time because peanut butter and we don't have a family history of allergies. I had no reason to think they would have an allergic reaction, but if there's going to be one, right, that's the one that most people are scared of and like is the most common. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to give them a taste of peanut butter while we're headed to their well baby visit. I think it was in, I think in all cases, like their six month visit. Um, And obviously they were fine, but that's a good way to just give yourself peace of mind. And then for all of them, I didn't really move to meals, like giving them, you know, more than just a taste of something multiple times a day until they were about seven months and we were moving from it was basically like a big transition at once where we were moving from three naps to two five liquid feeds to four and then introducing solid meals and then they were eating more frequently and i personally do not subscribe to one like extreme or the other in terms of how to start feeding so i'm not like oh my god they need to have like a baby back rib like we're baby led weaning I don't know people who are like obsessed with baby led weeding are like they're very into it they're just very and I'm like yeah sometimes sure I, g- I mean I gave them pieces of food um, but I also did plenty of purees with my oldest when I was not working full-time and I just had one baby I definitely made him I would like buy you know a sweet potato and like bake it and mash it and puree it and <laughs> you can imagine now that I work full-time and have three kids Delaney did not get that same experience we did a lot more like raised real little spoon and things like that But I think, honestly, a healthy mix of the two is great. Whatever works for you. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, Just found out me, my husband, my four-year-old, my 22-month-old are sharing one room on the Cape for two weeks. How? Ooh, Lee, this does sound like quite a pickle. Um, I am guessing, based on the way you phrased this, that this is not a hotel room. It's like you're sharing a house with people and you just discovered you are only being allocated one room. So what I would say is first, do you, I I get that maybe you only have one bedroom, but do you really only have one space you can put kids? Because I come from the mindset of maximizing, I'm somebody who has only lived in small spaces as an adult. I mean, like New York City apartments, small houses, et cetera. And I will use any space I can get with kids for sleep. So like, I actually remember one time being on the Cape at my mother-in-law's and there were a lot of people there this weekend or wherever, whenever we were there. And we only had like one bedroom. But I had, I think my husband and I were in the bedroom. Then there was like this hallway that had a door that was closed off to like another section of the house. One of the kids was in a pack and play in the hallway. One was in a pack and play in the bathroom. And the third one was in a pack and play 
in the laundry room. And we were like, technically we only had one bedroom, but like we were using a lot of space and everyone actually had their own space. So I would genuinely do that. Like, is there anywhere? Because I think even if you can, forgive me for saying get rid of, but even if you can get rid of one person, I think it will be much better, right? And I would, if you can do that, if there's space to move one kid one place, I would pick the one who's going to be the most disruptive or the hardest to sleep with you. You know, that's what I would do. Um, The other thing you could do, and I would just try to find a really cheap one, you could try to find a room separator, um, which you can get on Amazon. I used to have one when my office was at home and I would have like professional Zooms and I wanted to like separate the space where my office was from like what was behind it, which was like a bathroom door. Um, I don't think they're that expensive. You could get a room separator. You also, I'm not a fan of like over preparing kids for things. I think a lot of times it backfires and it's just silly. But if you think it would help and you are really going to be all in one room together, I would do, um, what was I going to say? I'm like brain dead today. Um, You could like practice having them sleep in a room together for like a fun sleepover just to see how it goes. The other thing I would do if you really are all going to be in the room together is stagger when everyone goes to bed so the kids don't keep each other up. Um, Just given how old and how young, like how the difference in ages here, right? Like a 22 month old hopefully realistically you'd be putting to bed you know much earlier than the four-year-old so I would put that child to bed first um the baby and then wait like at least an hour before you put the four-year-old to bed because a four-year-old you can say like you can do the you know it's not ideal but you can do the bedtime routine somewhere else you can tell him or her to do they need to be quiet because their baby sibling is sleeping um and then you guys go in after they're all asleep I think I'm for your sake I'm more concerned about the morning than the night um but see if you can utilize other spaces, and I think it will help a lot. Um, okay. Let's see. There's so many here. Some of these are really detailed. Oh, a lot of them just say help. <laughs> I, that, I need more context than that. Um, Tenny said, have been dealing with early wakings for months with my now 13-month-old. Help. You guys say help a lot in these questions. Um, okay, so there are a lot of factors that could be contributing to early morning wakes. So that is the first thing I will say. It's not like that's an obvious, oh, do this one thing and it will change. But it's very common for there to be growth spurts around this age. I know this person is saying it's been going on for months. I don't know if that means like six months or two months, but I would say if they had been sleeping really well and, you know, into the morning and then they stopped, I would be thinking about a couple of things. One is their age. So 13 months, we're not quite ready to transition to one nap, but that's soon. And there probably was a growth spurt involved. I would be looking at when is bedtime and when is wake up naps, like with the total schedule, right? Are we getting too much sleep, not enough sleep, right? So thinking about the schedule and then how baby is put down. Are they supported to sleep? Are they falling asleep? Are they waking up at night and supported back to sleep? Like, how, what does that look like? And then most importantly out of all of these things is like, what are you doing when they wake up early, right? Um, if you're going in and replacing the passy, if you're going in and talking to them, if you're just letting them get up, that's your problem, right? It, and it doesn't mean that like you created the problem, but you are going to have to change your response to it in conjunction with all those other things being in place, right? So we know that they have the right schedule, Um, the right number of naps, total sleep, all that stuff. And then you have to have a consistent response. So that doesn't mean you have to do only one certain thing, but 
you do need to determine you know if you are expecting them to sleep until seven and they're waking up at five what's happening between five and seven right are you just getting them up are you going in and saying something to them are you shush patting them are you um like changing their diaper and putting trying to put them back down are you bringing them to your bed right so you have to be consistent in how you respond to it. Um, most babies are not just going to magically sleep until seven. You're going to have to enforce a new boundary and a new structure. So that's going to be the biggest thing. You got to stick with it and do it consistently, um, whatever you choose to do. Okay. Nancy said, your discipline philosophy with sibling rivalry or fighting. Um, I don't think I prescribe to some like like a named philosophy on this Um, but I try as best I can I'm not always successful because I'm human but I try as best I can to strike a balance between letting them work stuff out but then intervening when I have to right so I I will let them like struggle and argue a little bit and this is really the boys if I, I will say at this point if Delaney, my daughter, who's not even two, if she's involved in it, I am more hands-on and I'm like, don't touch your sister, give her back the toy. I, I do get more involved because she's so little and they're four and six, they're big kids. Um, and making sure they're like treating her you know, safely and all that stuff. But when the boys are into it, I will let them go at it a little bit, but I draw the line when it becomes like mean, if one of them is being genuinely mean to each other versus just like arguing about something. So if hitting is involved or calling names or whatever, I will intervene. Um, But I try to let them work it out a little bit. And I try to be as much as possible very clear with them about what's okay and what's not. I really try to like let little things go. Like if they call each other a butt crack, which is their favorite word, I try not to say anything and just be like, okay, whatever. But then if they're like, I hate you forever, you're stupid and kick each other, then I'm like, those are not words we use in our house. How can we say this? Like I do a lot of stop rewinds with them and being like okay that was not okay let's rewind how can you ask him nicely for what you want um and when I do need to get involved I will often use a timer right and say like okay I know you both want to play with the truck we're not having trouble working it out so I'm going to decide Baker gets it for five minutes when the timer goes off Teddy gets it you know I'll get involved when I have to um the good thing is my sons at least for now are pretty different Um, And so there isn't a lot of like rivalry yet. I assume that will come soon. But for now, it's more like very childish little kid stuff that we're dealing with. So I'm cherishing these days until there's actual rivalry. Okay. I don't know if that was helpful, but like I said, I'm a little brain dead today. Um, Okay, I'm going to do one more question. I can't tell what this person's name is. I'm going to try to open it. Monica. Okay. Monica said... When to transition baby out of our room? She's a great night sleeper, but I like having her near me. Whenever you want. There's no rules. Literally, there are no rules. You should do whatever you want. If you want your baby in your room with you forever, then you can do that. Seriously, if if she's sleeping, you said she's a great night sleeper, but I like, I don't know what the difference is. If, you, if she's sleeping well in your room and you like having her in your room, then you should just keep her there. And if it stops working for you guys, if and when that time comes, then you move her out. Uh, no rules. No rules, just right. Okay. Well, guys, this has been super, super fun. I hope for you, too. Got to get back to work. 
back to all the things. Um, and I will see you guys next week for another episode. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.